Hey everybody, it's Mike. Welcome or welcome back to the Revision Church Podcast. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download the Revision app, which is actually the best way to get access to new content and share it with friends. You can get the app by texting Revision App to 77977. Thanks for listening today. My hope is that this message will be helpful for you and would inspire you to take the next step on your faith journey. Amen. You guys can take a seat. My name is Mike. I'm one of the pastors at Revision. I'm excited to be here today. How about you? All right. Have any of you ever played broomball? If you haven't, you should. It's a blast. It's like hockey, except you wear shoes instead of skates, and you have a ball and, and brooms instead of a puck and sticks. I used to play a lot. After college, I lived in Minnesota, and some buddies and I were part of a broomball league. And a lot of them had a leg up on me because they grew up on the ice playing hockey. I grew up in Iowa, where we know ice is slippery, so you should avoid it. But I adjusted, sort of. I did have one moment, though, that I'll never forget. It was late in a tie game, and I was chasing down the ball, trying to score the winning goal, and I started to lose my balance. But I was so close, I just went for it, and I swung as hard as I could, and my legs just went out from underneath me. And I uh, lost my stick while flailing to regain balance, then landed on my elbow and my tailbone at the same time. And then, in a shocking twist of physics, my stick also succumbed to the gravitational pull of Earth and hit me in the face. So I laid there on the ice looking at my breath on a freezing cold night with a bloody elbow and a bloody lip, and my tailbone sent a message to my brain, hey, buddy, we are not going to be walking tomorrow. It's just one of my greatest ever feats of athleticism, but the truth is it's hard to keep your balance on the ice. And I actually wanted to show you guys a video this morning to prove that, not because I think you don't believe me that ice is slippery, just it would have been a funny video. Last winter, we were at some friend's house, and as we were leaving, Jenny stepped on a patch of ice on their front porch, and she got straight horizontal. I felt like I was watching a cartoon as her body froze in midair before falling five feet onto her back. And it was like, one of the twins was holding her hand when it happened, and then he turned to me, and he's like, Dad, I'm so sorry. I should have tried to help her, but I didn't want to get pulled down. And I told him, you're good, buddy. That was quick thinking. And like, I just desperately wish we had the ring doorbell video from that moment. But by the time we thought to look for it, it was sadly gone. It's hard to keep your balance on the ice. And I think life is like ice sometimes in that it's a condition where balance is a hard thing to keep particularly when it comes to work and rest. A recent study of the American workforce found that nearly three out of four employees say they've experienced symptoms of burnout in their current position, and almost 80% say that stress from work is negatively affecting their relationships with the people who are closest to them. This is a significant problem in our society, and I think all of us can relate to it, even if work isn't problematic or heavy for us right now. But the truth is, it's not a new problem. It's been an issue for human beings since the very beginning of time. This morning, we're continuing our Monday Matters series. We've been talking about how your work or your school, what you do on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday matters because God created you for the purpose of doing things that add value to people and make a better future for the world. And so your work 
matters, but it's hard to do it well in a society where work constantly feels unbalanced and we feel pulled in a thousand directions. We are busy. And so this morning, I want to take a look at how we find the work-life balance that we're after. And we're going to do that by opening up our Bibles to Exodus 20 and digging into the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. So if you have a Bible, you can open it up there. If you don't, you can follow along on the screen. If you need a Bible, please snag one from the Next Steps area before you leave today. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard a message specifically about the fourth commandment. I can only remember hearing one. I was visiting a friend's church in high school, and their pastor was preaching through the Ten Commandments. And on this one, he took what I would call an aggressive stance. I mean, at one point, he looked at us all and said, if you even go out to lunch after church on a Sunday, you are violating the Sabbath. And not only that, you're causing other people to violate it too, because you're making like cooks and servers work. And then he reminded us what the Bible says about those who cause others to sin. It would be better to throw, or it would be better to be thrown into the ocean with a millstone around your neck. So that was intense. And I'll be honest with you, it gave me and my buddy Ryan a lot to talk about after the service while we were sitting at Applebee's. In my personal and professional opinion, this guy totally missed the point of the fourth commandment and maybe all of the Ten Commandments. They're not about checking boxes and they're not about jumping through hoops. All of God's rules are about relationships. They're about creating space where we can experience the fullness of connection to God and other people that we were built for. And we got to understand this about rules. Rules don't initiate relationships. They improve relationships. Like we don't find connection to other people because we obey our way into it. But when we put boundaries and guardrails around our relationships, they tend to flourish in a way that boundaryless relationships don't. We don't have a relationship with God because we behave. We have a relationship with God because we believe that Jesus Christ stepped out of eternity into the human star and gave his life so we could be forgiven and set free. And that creates a connection. And then all of God's commands and rules are about flourishing. They're about inviting us to step forward into a space where we are known and loved fully by God and the people around us in the healthiest way possible. So if that's what God's commands are all about, what is the fourth commandment specifically about and how does it relate to our work? Well, this is what it says in Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son and daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. It's interesting. This is the longest one of the Ten Commandments by far. I don't think that's because it's the most important. The first one, have no other gods, is the most important. They kind of all build off of that. So why is the fourth commandment the longest? Because this is the one God knew we would struggle with the most. You can almost see God anticipating our struggles in the way the commandment is written. God said, 
take a day off every week. And he knew our reaction to that was going to be to come and say, yeah, well, what, like, who though? Like, who all's included in this take a day off? And God says, you. Okay, well, what about and your children? Well, can I make my employees and everybody who works for you? Oh, well, then what about no, even your animals, your oxen and your donkeys? Well, we can at least make the foreign guy do stuff, right? No, everybody. It's meant to be a day off for everybody. But I think the way it's written is God saying, you're going to struggle with this, but it matters. It's important that you take time for the Sabbath. And if we read this commandment and everything else the Bible has to say about Sabbath, what we discover is that, that Sabbath is about two things primarily, remembering our God and renewing our strength. It's meant to be this rhythm of rest where we remember who God is and we find our strength renewed so that we can go back out into the world and live with the purpose God has placed upon us. And it matters that we do that. God says, take time every single week to purposefully, intentionally, communally connect with me because I don't want you to forget who you are, or whose you are. This is the heartbeat of the Sabbath. It's reminding us who we are and whose we are. So so who are we? We're human beings created in the image of the Creator, meant to be His representatives in the world and to extend His influence to every corner of creation. It's this gift of identity God gives us. He created us for the purpose of doing work that adds value to people and creates a better future for the world. That's who we are. But whose are we? We're representatives of the king in his kingdom. We are his children. We're his family. We are his church. He is ours and we are his. And because of that, because that's who we are and whose we are, we have infinite value. No matter what the world says about whether we are important or we're not important, no matter what we do or accomplish or don't do, we have infinite value. I think sometimes we get that twisted, though. We see the value God placed on us, and then we forget that it comes from Him. There's one point in the Psalms where David's praying, and he looks up, he's like, God, what is mankind that you're mindful of us? Like, why would you even consider us? We're small and failed and frail and fragile, and you're the almighty creator of the cosmos. Like, why do you pay attention to us at all? And it is interesting to sit back and think about that. Like, wow, why in the world would the creator of everything intentionally care about you and me? But he does. He does. The problem, though, is when we realize that we have infinite value, but we forget that it isn't value we earned, or isn't value we achieved, or isn't value we worked for. Because then, we stop trying to represent God, and we start trying to replace God. Listen, every problem you've ever faced, every problem you're facing right now, and every problem you will ever face happens because you or someone with influence over you is trying to replace God rather than represent God. 
That's why our society is so messed up. That's why we're living in this world that's completely out of balance because we've been told we earn our own value through our work, that our identity and our worth on this planet is wrapped up in what we're doing 40 or 50 hours a week. And so we work and we grind and we find it to be oppressive, but we cannot put it down because we believe on some level that that's what's making us worth living or worth being alive and worth caring about and worth loving. See, the problem is, when we forget who we are and whose we are, we end up in this really oppressive spot where we're working for basically two things. We're trying to prove our importance and we're trying to control our outcomes. We're working really hard so that people will think we matter and they'll care about us in any way, shape, or form at all. Because there's this voice in the back of our heads that says, I am not worthy unless I produce. So many of us in this room right now have believed that, and it's easy to believe because that's what the world tells us about who we are. And we also allow work to kind of suck the soul and the life out of us and crush us when we think I'm responsible all by myself for making the world the way that I want it to be. And we go and we fight and we work really, really hard to control our outcomes because we're convinced that if I just do the right thing, I can make the world the way I'm dreaming that it will be. And if it doesn't bend to my will, then it just means I didn't work hard enough or long enough. I'll just do more. And we end up in that spot when we forget who we are and whose we are. It transforms work from something we've been given to do, which blesses us and benefits others, into something that owns us and damages others. Our jobs no longer belong to us. We belong to our jobs. We exist in this prison of frustration and dissatisfaction where we can never do quite enough. And look around you. That's our world. We live in a world of self-glorification and self-justification where work is crushing people. And it's tragic. Because I don't think we can read the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and come to any conclusion other than the fact that a society which emphasizes and encourages overwork is just as dehumanizing and dysfunctional as a society which emphasizes or encourages theft or murder. Like, take a day off. Make sure that you're creating space to connect with your creator is on the same list as those things for a reason because when we get it wrong, it's destructive to the human soul. It cuts us off from the lives God says we were created for. And ironically, it cuts us off from the beauty of work, from the joy and meaning we're meant to find in it. And so this is what I want us to see about the fourth commandment. It's about freedom. It's about liberating us from the toxic ideology that's invaded our world that we are only as valuable as what we produce and that our worthiness of relationship, our worthiness of being loved, our worthiness of connecting to anybody else is entirely built on whether we are or are not accomplishing things the world says is important. Because when we believe that, work will never be enough. And we'll never get enough rest on the backside of it. So Sabbath is about remembering our God and renewing our strength. It's this built-in rhythm that sets us free to find satisfaction in the things God has gifted and given us to do. Like work is beautiful. It is. But rest is essential because it forces us to slam on the brakes and reckon with why we're doing what we're doing. With 
the, the why behind the what of our work. Like, is this me attempting to replace God? Or is this effort I'm putting in for my good and for the value or for the blessing of all the people around me in an attempt to represent God? And the only way we can figure that out, the only way we can honestly answer that question is to press pause sometimes and rest. That's actually what the word Sabbath means. It's this Hebrew word that means cease, rest, pause, stop. And the first time it ever shows up in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 2, where God takes a look at everything that he created, and then he sits back and he realizes not that it's done, not that it's finished, but that it's very good. And then he rests. Now, deep theological question for you guys. Do you think God needed to rest from all that creating work he did because he was just so tired? He was like up in heaven looking at the angels like, oh, this has been a lot. I need a nap. I'm just like, godding is like hard work, man. I don't know if godding is a word, but I like it. It's like what God does. No, God did not get pooped out from Godding, okay? God rested because he knew that we were going to need to rest, and he wanted to show us what it's like to live in a rhythm of working and resting. Jesus could not have been more clear about that every time he ever spoke about the Sabbath. Like at one point he's talking to these religious leaders who felt like Sabbath was a hoop they needed to jump through. Like we have to do this and we have to do it well in order to be right with God. And Jesus looked at him, he's like, no, 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 no. Man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. And what he's saying is God didn't create you to rest. God wasn't like, I should make these beings and then I should just let them rest it up really good. God created you for the purpose of doing work, of joining him in his efforts to make all things new and set all things right, of putting in effort that creates value and blesses everybody you're crashing into. You're made from that. And then he created the Sabbath so that you can rest from that and for that. See, rest without reason is toxic. We talked a couple weeks ago about how the creation poem in Genesis 1 and 2 redeemed the idea of work itself for the Israelites because they had spent four centuries surrounded by pagan cultures which believed work is bad and rest is good. And so the elites in their societies and the gods in their mythologies rested from nothing for nothing forever. As though that was an end in itself. And I look around and I feel like that line of thinking has invaded American culture. If you don't believe me, hop on Instagram. There are a whole lot of people in our world who believe that doing nothing for as long as possible is the point. And that's not only pointless, it's absolutely dangerous to your soul. You cannot live fully alive without stepping into the purpose God created you for. And that purpose is to do stuff, primarily stuff that blesses people around you. So go do stuff and then rest from that stuff so that you can go do stuff again. God says that's what we were created for. And so the question in a burnt out society is, how in the world do we do that with the right amount of balance? How do we find the, the work-rest, work-family, work-life balance? Well, get this. We don't. 
We don't. Bear with me. I don't care how often we hear about balance or how many self-help gurus write books about it. There are over 6,000 of them on Amazon. I think that balance is an impossible and ill-advised goal. When I read the fourth commandment, I just don't think it's balance we're supposed to be shooting for. I think it's rhythm. We were created for rhythm, not balance, and they are wildly different things. Like if the world was all about balance, we'd have eight-day weeks, one day on, one day off, one day on, one day off, one day on, one day off, perfect balance. And I know some of you are out there thinking, sign me up for that, that sounds amazing, but it's not, it's not enough. Like not doing enough work, not accomplishing enough, not blessing the people around us enough actually sucks the soul right out of us and it, it causes us to be dysfunctional rather than functional. Take, for example, the, the brilliantly beautiful giant red shuttle that's parked outside. I don't know if you can tell just by looking at her, but she is not in the prime of her life. Uh, if you thought that that was a good-looking shuttle, though, uh, we're trying to sell it. So $13 or best offer, find me, find me after church. I'll hand you the title real quick. But that old shuttle, I'm pretty sure we could kill it right now by going outside and revving the engine too hard for too long. On the flip side, though, recently we've been struggling to start it on Sunday mornings. We've had to jump it. And what we discovered is not that we need to jump it because it's old or the battery is dying and the alternator is broken. It's because we drive it six blocks on a Sunday and then park it for an entire week. And then we drive it six blocks on a Sunday and park it for the entire week. The battery and the alternator aren't getting enough work for them to do what they were made to do. And the answer to that problem isn't balance. It's not 12 hours of running the shuttle every day and 12 hours of parking the shuttle every day. It's just about finding the right rhythm so that the battery and the alternator can continue to function. And it's the same with us, you guys. See, balance is about stasis. It's about getting everything to lean together just right so that nothing's out of place and then praying to God Nothing gets added anywhere or changes in any way because as soon as that happens, you're out of balance again. I don't know if any of you have ever tried slacklining, but even if you can get up there on a slackline, as soon as you start moving, the balance is immediately out of whack. Like balance is a really, really difficult thing. It can be beautiful sometimes. Like, like a house of cards is balance. But it's soul-sucking because you're just waiting for it to collapse. Balance is a house of cards. The problem is it's tempting. It just seems like a thing we would really like. But I want to convince you this morning that, that it isn't. So I actually invited Scott and Seth to hop up on stage with me for a second. And we're going to kick things off here by just listening to the sound pitch, frequency, and volume of perfect stasis. Scott, could you, could you just hit us up here? Mm. That's balance right there. Pop quiz, when do we hear this sound in life? Yeah, when it's over. When it's over. Balance is for the dead. Thank you. It's not as loud behind the speakers, so that wasn't as bad for me as it was for you. Seth, could you hit us up with some rhythm, though? 
That's completely unbalanced. The toms are not being hit the same amount of times as the cymbals. The kick isn't being hit the same amount of times as the snare. There is nothing at all that's balanced about what we're listening to, but which sound is better? There's a rhythm in this. Thanks, ma'am. All right, let's give him a hand. Give him a hand. Yeah. You guys nailed it. Now, the point of this isn't that drums are better than piano or that Seth is better than Scott. They're both Vikings fans. I hate them both equally. The point is that there's something to rhythm that we will never find if we're seeking balance. We'll be balanced when we're dead. But while we're living, we're meant to step into the rhythm of the universe God created. And a couple things I want us to understand about rhythm. The first one is this. Rhythm isn't just a sign of life. Rhythm is a source of life. Rhythm creates energy. I was running a road race a few years ago, and coming around the last turn, just gassed. I had almost nothing left, and then I heard it. The rhythm of the Isisaret's drum corps. All the kids from Des Moines just banging on the drums. And if you know, you know. If you don't, it's hard to explain. I had a physiological reaction to the rhythm. A surge of adrenaline hit my body as I began to run in rhythm with the drum line, and I was able to finish strong. Rhythm creates energy. Second thing I want us to understand about rhythm is that rhythm can be busy and healthy at the same time. I think so often when we hear about balance, we're told we just have to ruthlessly eliminate all busyness from our lives. We're only going to be balanced when we rest just as much as we work. And don't get me wrong, there's a soul-destroying level of busyness in our culture. It's out there. And, And feeling hurried can leave us in a spot where we feel like we never have time to connect to the heart of God. And you guys, please hear me on this. We do not have time not to connect to the heart of God. And so it matters that we're careful about our busyness and our hurry. But that's why rhythm matters, because I don't think any of us are ever going to fully escape busyness. Like, not really. We have work and school and kids stuff and activities and fun to be had and life to be lived. I was talking with a retired guy this week. He's been retired for two months. He's building a garage, going to all his grandkids' sporting games, and doing like freelance work for all these friends who needed a little bit of help. And he told me, Mike, I never expected retirement to be this busy, and I am loving it. (laughs) He's just loving it because he's living into purpose. And Like, busyness is is almost unescapable, but but the rhythm Seth was playing was busy. He was hitting all sorts of stuff. It was all kinds of busy, but not everything got equal weight all the time. That's why it was energizing. Busyness can be energizing and healthy if, and this is a big if, if we're in a rhythm where we know rest is coming. If we engage the busyness of our world and its activities, if we show up at work and we pour ourselves into it, we add as much value as we possibly can to the universe, and then we guard the Sabbath. We make sure we're taking time out to remember our God and renew our strength. All that busyness can be really, really life-giving. If, however, we get out of that rhythm, either by sitting around and accomplishing nothing for too long or 
by allowing any activity or every little activity to knock us off the rhythm of taking a Sabbath and connecting to God, our health and the health of our kids whose activities we're going to will suffer every single time. Rhythm matters. It matters. Because busyness without rhythm is destructive, but busyness in rhythm can be life-giving. And the last thing about rhythm I want us to understand is that, that rhythm requires inactivity just as much as it requires activity. It's got to be gas and brakes. Like when Seth was playing, there were moments where you could hear a certain thing. You could hear a cymbal or you could hear a snare. But the only reason you could hear those things specifically was that not all of the drums were being hit at the exact same time. For every time you hear the kick, there's a lot of moments where you're not hearing the kick. The fourth commandment could not be more clear about this. If we're going to do what we're made to do, we have to do not doing. Like in order to do, we got to not do. In order to work, we got to Sabbath. But it's difficult to do not doing well. It's difficult to do not doing well. If we don't do it, we forget who we are and whose we are. We start working in a way that causes us to try to replace God rather than represent God. And so it matters that we do the not doing, the, the, the breaks, the rest well. And if we're going to do it the way we're made to do it, I think there are two boxes we got to check. We got to plug in and power down. We got to plug in and we got to power down. We will never have our energy meter filled all the way back up to 100 unless we're plugging into a power source outside of ourselves. It matters that we are intentional about connecting to the heart of God. That's what worship is all about. It's about connecting with God so he can fill us up with more of himself because his presence and his love is the fuel we run on to be and become the people he created us to be. We got to plug in. But we also got to power down. If you plug in your phone and you make a phone call while it's charging, or you watch YouTube while it's charging, it's not going to charge as fast or as effectively as it is if you plug it in and just leave it alone. We all know that. Well, your life is similar to that. Like, you have to create space to, like, simmer down the demand, not all day every day, but regularly every week so that your charge can get recharged. I think too many of us are trying to do life on like a trickle charge. We're trying to get just a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here and a little bit there, and we're never actually powering down. Ironically enough, our phones are part of the problem. They keep us connected all the time. They make sure that work is never far from our brains, and so we struggle to ever really, truly, fully put it down. But hear me this morning. You've got to put your work down all the way. Not part of the way, all the way. Not every day, but every week, you've got to put your work down all the way the way, or you're going to get caught up in this cycle that sucks the soul out of you. That's what God's trying to tell us. And I think we can do it. Let me invite you to that this morning. I want to invite all of us this morning to put our work down all the way because we know that God is in control of the universe and not us. And also because we know our work is never done. Like at the end of the day, there's not a work you could do on this planet that will ever be finished. Someday, you're going to retire and you're going to give your job to somebody else and they're going to do the work that you didn't finish. And they're not going to finish either because someday they're going to give it to somebody else. And there's an anxiety in that because 
in our world, we've come to believe that our worth is tied up in our work. But really, I think it should be liberating and peaceful because your work, like God's work in creation, doesn't have to be finished to be very good. You went out and you put an effort that added value to people and wrote a better story for the world. You can rest in that. And you can rest from that so you can recharge and then go do it more. And I just, I want to invite us to, to put down our work this morning all the way because we believe Jesus meant it when he said, it is finished. Like on a grand scale, the only work that ever had to be finished in the human story was finished when Jesus died and rose again. It's finished, which means you are whole and holy. You are loved and worthy, not because of anything you do or could do, not because of anything you accomplish, and not because the world says you have achieved something that mattered. You are whole and holy because of what Jesus did for you. And nothing can ever take that away. It's finished. That's who you are and whose you are. And I think if we fail to recognize that, the fourth commandment will continue to be the hardest one for us to follow, and we're going to continue to get sucked up in the soul-destroying system of a culture that's totally out of rhythm while desperately seeking balance. But if we do it, if we remember who we are and whose we are, if we make it a priority to connect to the heart of God, to remember our God and renew our strength, then I believe we'll be able to do the things God has given and gifted us to do in a way that helps us live more fully alive and helps us bless everybody we crash into. It's worth doing. That's what rhythm is all about. It's beautiful. It's the way God created the universe. There's summer and fall and winter and spring. There's sunrise and sunset, high tide and low tide, birth and life and death, air coming through our nostrils, in and out. Silence and speaking. A heartbeat in our chests. Work and worship. It's the rhythm of the universe God made. And as we do it well, we find life and we share it with a dying, burnt out world. Will you guys pray with me? God, thank you. Thanks for rhythm. Thanks for the opportunity to be a part of what you're doing to write a better story for the world, to bless people and add value to their lives. Thank you for the chance we have to live with that kind of purpose. But God, we acknowledge in the middle of that we're, we're surrounded by a burnt out culture, a tired, exhausted, fried culture that doesn't do rest well, that continually tells us we got to keep grinding and keep pushing and never let up. Um, so many of us in this room so many of the people we're going to run into this week are exhausted. Their souls are empty because they haven't remembered their God and renewed their strength. And so I just pray for us this week that you'd help us take the difficult step of living out the fourth commandment, of making it a priority to connect with your heart. And Lord, I pray that as we plug in and power down, as we allow you to fill us with your strength and as we set our work down because we know that you're in control and you are good and we know that our value is determined by what Jesus did for us and not by what we do for work. Lord, as we do that, would you fill our souls 
and help us live into the beautiful rhythm of the universe and find the life you created us to experience. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.